0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Passages of Summer edition of The 7am Novelist. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Now, we all know that the early pages of a novel or story are really difficult to get right, so this summer, we're discussing the choices that went into a range of author's first pages in terms of scene, structure, language, et cetera, and how these choices might help you with your own first pages. Today, I'm very excited that we get to have Allegra Goodman. She's going to share with us the first pages of her latest novel, Sam, which was released in January. Good morning, Allegra. Good morning. Thank you so much for being on the show. Now, Allegra Goodman has done quite a lot. Okay, sure. her novels include Sam, which was most recently released and is a Read with Jenna book club selection. It's very exciting. The Chalk Artist was also a winner of the Massachusetts Book Award. and her novels, Intuition, The Cookbook Collector, Paradise Park, and Catterskill Falls, which was a National Book Award finalist. She's also written two collections of short stories, which I love, The Family Markowitz and Total Immersion, and a novel for younger readers, The Other Side of the Island. She was raised in Honolulu and studied English and philosophy at Harvard and received a PhD in English literature from Stanford. She's also recipient of a Whiting Award, the Salon Award for Fiction, and a fellowship from Radcliffe. She lives with her family in Cambridge, uh, Mass, and she is writing a new novel. I don't know how you have time to do anything, but (laughs) I'm glad that you're writing a new novel. So that's (laughs) exciting. All right, Allegra, can you give us kind of an overview of the book so that when we hear these first pages, we have some grounding? Yes. So
1: Sam is a young girl who is growing up on the North Shore of Massachusetts in Beverly, Um, And the book is set mostly around there in Beverly and Gloucester. She lives with her mom, a single mom, and her um, half-brother, Noah. And uh, the book starts when she's only seven years old. Um, And the book takes us through her growing up and turning into a human. Um, That's basically, it's like a very simple premise. But, of course, growing up is never simple. Right. And what age, I forget, do you end her on? I think she's about 20 or 21. Okay. Okay. So it's 14 years around. Okay. Um, Good. Okay. Let's hear these pages. Okay. There is a girl and her name is Sam. She has a mother named Courtney and the dad is sort of around, sort of not. He lives 10 minutes away, but he's not always home. Courtney says, that's the whole point. What is, Sam asks. He's never anywhere. Yes, he is. He's somewhere. Very funny, Courtney says. Sam is seven and she never stops. She never helps either. Courtney is exhausted all the time. But it's not just Sam, it's Noah. Noah is two and he has a teddy bear named Bill. He got a plastic ark for his birthday, but he only has one lion and one zebra left. You can't teach Noah. You can't even scare him. He thinks Noah is his name. Sam climbs up inside the door jams to get away from him. If you want to know how, just take off his shoes and socks. You have to be barefoot. Stand in the doorway to the kitchen and spread your feet as far apart as they can go. Wedge your feet into the frame. Inch one foot up, then the other. Inch up some more. Stop, or you'll bang your head. Just stay there. Brace your feet against the wood. Courtney says, you know what, Sam? This is getting old because Sam likes to stay up there so long. It is not cute. Day, her dad comes over Sam tackles him. Where were you? Are you back? When did you come back? Before he can answer, she wedges herself into the doorframe. Hey, monkey, her dad says, when'd you learn to do that? Courtney frowns, a long time ago. He just looks up at Sam. Ready? Yes. Okay, let's go. Sam jumps down on him. Where? I don't know. He's teasing, but she doesn't care. He's a jet. He's a plane. He's a parachute. He holds Sam by the heels and pennies start falling from her clothes. She is raining pennies that were never there before. But that's just what happens with her dad
0: oh wonderful wonderful okay were these always your first pages of this novel
1: yes <laughs> yes yeah yeah um i these my novel the whole idea of this novel started with these pages like i just started writing this and i had this idea just of, of this girl and i literally was just writing notes to myself and i wrote in my notes not even as a draft i wrote in my notes there's a girl and her name is Sam. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, wait, that's how she would think it. That's how she would say it. And I got the idea of writing from this very limited third person point of view, just everything from her perspective. We only see what she sees and feels what feel what she feels and know what she knows. So the, the whole novel starts, you know, she's seven and we are a young girl with her. And then as she grows, the perce- her perception grows and we grow with her and our understanding grows with her. Mm -hmm. And your style would have to age. Yes. So the, um, the way I think of it is, it's almost like a, the novel is almost like a time-lapse photograph or film where like a seed is opening and sprouting or flowers opening, except I only have words to do it. So I did it with diction, with word choice, um, uh, with the, Sentences becoming more complex as her thoughts become more, more complex and nuanced. Um, and, um, you know, everything becomes more complicated. And she also sees people differently as she gets older. It's sort of like the aperture is kind of expanding. mm
0: mm-hmm. Um, which is, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, you, you're using present tense. The early syntax and diction is very simple. It's yeah. also kind of subject verb object, but not in a way that feels static or boring, obviously, um, but in a way that seems to reflect Sam. And it's also quite funny. Um, the mother just telling her that it's not cute. Can you get down now <laughs> from the wall? Um, which is interesting because I think a lot of, books you did have the choice of of you know this is it's actually similar in in this way the way you change style as james joyce's um yes. artist book you know because yeah. you you could have a stable narrator who was the older sand looking back um and having the that older language throughout and every now and then having the character's younger language bleed in. But it sounds like you had Sam's voice from the get-go, and it was just really important to you to represent that voice. That's
1: absolutely right. Yeah, I always thought of it as present tense because I wanted the reader to be there with her in the moment constantly. Yeah. And um, and also, it's like she, you you hear the things that she hears, and she it's sort of like ricocheting in her brain the way it does when you're little. And she doesn't completely understand all the things you know, the adult is saying, yeah, it's not like, um, her mom frowned because her father hadn't been there for six months. You know, it's sort
0: of, she, you know, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't yeah. hear all that nuance yet. And I mean, this, even the early line, um, her mother, she has a mother named Courtney and a dad who was sort of around, sort of not, mm-hmm. Um, he's never anywhere. And we also get that very, very quickly um, in the scene when he's actually there, but he's not really there because yeah. she's climbing. She's climbing and he's like, oh, when did you learn to do that? Um, so we we understand his absence or at least his lack of awareness or just basic fogginess. I mean, this is a man that doesn't seem to attach to reality very easily. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's he's not the most reliable, but I think what comes she just loves him, you know. <laughs> um, she doesn't understand all this stuff yet. Um, right. she when will, he, he can make
0: pennies rain down. Yeah. He's magic. <laughs> that's He's magic a magical her. that's magical presence. And I mean you get, so you get her relationship with the parents, how different the parents are to each other. And then that continues throughout the whole novel, because those are really significant relationships in the novel. Yeah. Um, and then you get her climbing, which is also really significant in the novel. Um, and did you have that first off, and then you just kept digging into it and burying into it and staying with it as you continued forward? Yeah, that's exactly right. I I started with this, and it's like, this is the seed of the novel.
1: And as you say, all the relationships are there. It's all there in the first, in the opening page and a half, yeah, um, including the climbing. But it's sort of like life. You don't know where that will take you. And I kind of grew with her. I grew it with her um, as I wrote. That's not to say it was easy. <laughs> I had lots of growing pains doing it. Um, but it's like, for me the it, for me, the hard part of the book was her making choices and becoming a teenager and the growing up part. It wasn't the opening part. Because I felt like I just knew her, you know, as a child.
0: Yeah. And I mean, what is your writing process? Did you? I have a feeling that you didn't plot this out, but that you were instead following or maybe you did instead following what your writing was already giving you. And just deepening that and continuing that forward. Or maybe you did continue to play. it. Out. <laughs> it's weird. Like I'm a big believer in notes and outlines
1: and all this stuff. But but I also find that I end up changing things constantly because there's this sort of like the character pushes back. You know, yeah. the material, you know, wants to be what it wants to be. So um, I had this weird kind of maternal maternal mother-daughter relationship with this character and like for a while I even called this book my problem child because she made me crazy and I would say oh my god she's making bad choices and I would be afraid for her even though I was making those choices which is a strange thing to feel right like (laughs) I was I was the I was the controller right but I didn't but at the same time I felt like she was my child you know
0: (laughs) that's wonderful because I do think that writers become very protective of their characters and if they don't allow their characters to make mistakes yeah novel dies
1: totally and so a lot of times you know my heart was in my throat when she was you know I'm an adult I I see what's happening and also as you say like if it would be a very different book if she was looking back mm. you know Sam looking back 20 years later might say might describe her life very differently than the way she feels it, you know, in the moment at the time. She might have certain um, beliefs about relationships that she's had. She might diagnose certain things that she can't, doesn't have the vocabulary to do as she's living through it. But to yeah. me, that was the fun of the book. That was like the art of the book to make it, to make that real in the moment.
0: Um it just it just feels like it comes so naturally, but I would assume that her point of view also kind of boxed you in in certain ways. But maybe that was good in certain ways. I yeah, it did box me in. It's a bit like at one point, I think my I, at one
1: point I was just it's, the thing is when I love the third person limited point of view. Like I love that. I love that's that's my happy place. I like to be right in there with the character, but it's like being like a method actor or something. I'm also really totally committed. So um if she doesn't know it, it doesn't, you know, she doesn't know it. Like I, I am very strict. I, I'm not going to break through and um, editorialize ever. Right. And um, so, yeah, so I was stuck with her. Like when she was 16, I had to be 16 with her, you know, when she right. was suffering, i suffered with her.
0: <laughs> right. But so, you know, it's I, fiction is to me is always really special because we're allowed to use this point of view that warps, the world on the page. And I and yeah. I don't know if there's really any other, I suppose you could argue that in in film, the camera itself is warping the world, but it's just not quite as narrow as what you can do in fiction. Um, so so the yeah. difficulty is that you get stuck in that kind of subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Um however, we do need an understanding of the subjectivity against the world that they're living in, the greater, the reality of the world, Mm -hmm. um, to see that tension, to see that uh uh-oh, or to worry about that. And so in this case, I think the reader can bring a lot of that because we see the father being like, oh, when did you learn how to do that? Um, And so we're bringing some of our experience to it, but you also need other characters' comments to give us that reality. And so the mother plays that role very well. Yeah, and it's just,
1: you know, that tension is where the drama comes from. Yeah. The attention you're talking about is also where the humor comes from, and um, the theater the theater is the reader's imagination, because the reader knows more, you know, and then also because the reader's living with the story, the reader then has perspective, so the reader knows more, you know, t- ten page ten chapters down than they do it in the first page, right. so we have we have that aspect of time in the narrative as well.
0: Um, now I have had students who write, they're trying to cover a lot of, well, how do you cover this much time in the book? Because it's mm-hmm. its generally easier to cover less time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most difficult things about, about fiction writing is, is to convince the reader that time is passing. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only telling us that time is passing, but feeling that time is passing. So I think for you, you're able to do a little bit of that sense of time passing simply through voice, mm-hmm. right? If as we feel her voice changing, we're kind of convinced that time is passing. But how else have you um, have you dealt with time? I mean, did you always want to cover this much time in this book, or did it feel like you were having difficulty getting so much in? I did want to cover this
1: amount of time, and the technique that I used a lot of times was um, the was showing Sam's perception of time. Just like all of us, sometimes time seems very slow to her, and sometimes it seems very fast. And you know, you know how elementary school can seem to take forever, and um, and then there are moments in your life that you just want to relive, and and it goes too fast and it slips through your fingers. So um, Sam has a relationship with time in the book, and gives that to the reader, and that's how that's how I dramatize time changing and her growing, her body changing. Um, her Sam on the wall is also another relationship that I developed to show time passing. And she is nostalgic for when she could, cl- when she climbed, when she was seven, when she's all of 11 years old, because she's already heavier, bigger, and she has to be stronger to hold herself up. So, you know, we have the wall, we have Sam, we have gravity, <laughs> um, we have time. Nice. Nice.
0: And since you're starting with a young voice and a young character, Um, And you might not have had this problem because you have so many books that have done quite well, but did any of your agent or editors or even readers want to approach this as, say, a YA book um, Mm -hmm. instead of an adult book? How did you kind of navigate that? Because I know a lot of writers, particularly in their first books, that are kind of forced into one or the other, whether they they want to be, because um, the readers just automatically, well, this is a YA book.
1: Yes, I that was actually a worry of mine because she's so young when she starts, and it and also the beginning of this book is so childish. Yeah. it's sort of like, "Oh, is this a children's story?" like I thought people might just open it and just be like, "What is this?" And I was fortunate that actually my agent and my editor always saw it as an adult novel um so which I was really relieved about, it. and I think for me when I was writing it, I wanted to. Get to her growing older, partly because I want. I thought that that trajectory would make it not a YA book. It, it the right. reader would have that perspective,
0: right? Um, and so readers have also come to it as a, an adult book. They have, they have. Yeah. Although you know, young people read it, and I, I should I should also add to this: there's
1: nothing wrong with writing a YA book, and I have oh, done, absolutely. You know, absolutely, and I love them, and lots of adults read them, right? And lots yeah. of kids read books meant for adult, whatever it's really a marketing thing more than a writing thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I just want to say that like, I had no, you know, I I'm not a snob about the genre. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just that I wanted adults to read it. I thought this was a book to me, it's a book about a young girl, but it's also about motherhood. It's about parenting and that side of it. I, I wanted to come through. And fortunately for me, my editor felt that way as well.
0: I wish I could write YA. Um, I
1: think it's <laughs> not, you know, nobody reads like those children who read YA books.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it really is, you know, overall, I don't think readers really care that much. It's exactly. about where they put it on the, on the shelf yeah. store. Yeah, totally. Um, but you have also written a novel for younger readers. So yeah. this, this was different for you.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, I meant that. The novel I wrote for younger readers, I set out to write that novel for younger readers. I loved it. And, you know, the kids who read it and wrote me letters and, you know, they read differently. And it was just um, that was an amazing experience. And
0: I'd like to do more of that as well. Yeah. When you think about voice and talk about voice how do you how do you talk about it or think about it in terms of i mean is this something that just comes so naturally to you that you just don't think think about it i mean you you you've you've done a lot of talks with this book I and mean, you've done you've done some teaching so how do you approach um talking to others about voice how do you approach thinking about voice in your own work that's a really good question and i think
1: that um for those writers who also teach it's a really interesting question to engage with in, with students and what I always think of it is that for me, voice comes from really listening, listening to the people all around you in the world, listening to the way kids talk, you know, also listening to yourself and remembering the voice in your head when you were a child. Um, yeah. You know, or, or in my case here, I could hear my mother's voice a lot of times. And although my mother was a very different mother from Sam, I could hear that kind of loving yet tough voice. Um And so um, you've just really got to sort of tune into that. And it also involves shutting out distractions in order to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. So I really suggest like going to a very quiet place so that you can let your character speak to you. And when you have that, it's the best feeling in the world because you know what they'll say, you know, in any
0: given situation. I think that's the hard part though, is for people to find that quiet, not only a quiet space, but then a quiet headspace. Exactly. That's what I um, mean. In, yes. In yeah. order, to, in order to find, in, in order to find the voice, and um, as you revise the book, did you find yourself making a lot of changes to the voice or alterate like small little choice alterations to make sure that it fit her age or make sure it even mm-hmm. fit? Her? Actually, uh, the voice was
1: for me was very constant. I I felt it was very natural for me. I did a huge amount of revision on this book and really struggled with it at times, but it was more like, it was more having to do with what happened to her and what, and figuring out who she was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, but I never felt like, oh, what would she say? How would she think? How would she present herself? I always knew that part. It was just sort of like, what is the right place for her? Where do I want to take this? Where does she want to take herself? Again, you know, that the question of how to grow up, um, that was the struggle for me re-
0: revising the book. That's fantastic. Okay. Um, Everyone, we're going to have to get people back to their writing desk. um, (laughs) They can find their own quiet space in order to find that voice, because I think that is just very, very important. Do you read? Do you read the book aloud sometimes to hear it? Yeah, I read it aloud to myself. And I also hear it in my head as I read, as I write it. So it has that music. Okay, excellent. Okay. Everyone, you can find our full schedule on a Substack page at 7 substack.com. Subscribe there for updates. You can also find our full range of podcast episodes on that page, including episodes from our past two writing challenges, as well as on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so that we can reach other listeners. All right. Allegra, you had these first pages or first sentences right off the bat. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that hasn't always been the case in your novels, right? Um, so for people that are having trouble discovering or figuring out their first pages, what recommendations do you give to them?
1: My recommendation is to unplug, go with a notebook and a pen and write the first lines or what you think might be the first lines by hand. And don't expect yourself to write the whole page. And even maybe just write the first couple sentences. You know, maybe two sentences and then just think about it and then just rewrite them again by hand in your in your notebook and just away from the computer and just again like getting into that quiet quiet space in your head also I'm a morning person so. This is like the perfect time to do it. Seven AM. That's a great, the best hour of the day. (laughs) Yes, that is the quiet place.
0: Yeah. Do you look back on those moments where you think I got the voice right there, just as a as a to remind yourself of that music or that sound when you're coming back to it day after day after day? Yeah, totally. And you know what I do is I also keep the ones that did work.
1: It's like the batches that were burnt and the batches that were not cooked. And I keep all that. And then I look at it and I see how it evolved down the page. Just those first two sentences. I have notebooks I could show you where you can see it getting so much better and making so much progress. And I like to look at that because it gives me hope later if I am struggling or having a bad day and I see that, you know, I see visible improvement.
0: Oh, I love that because I think people avoid doing that because they don't want to see the early brokenness. They don't want to see yeah. the moments when they they were getting it wrong because then they're like, "Oh, I'm an idiot. I can never do this." But it actually shows you what you were able to learn and shows you that you were able to overcome.
1: Yeah, the way I would frame it is not not that I got it wrong, but look how my look how amazing the imagination is. Look how I was able to take this roughness and make it into something that works, that sings, that
0: hook, hooks the reader. Oh, fantastic! The power of revision. And it all has hope, even if it starts off not quite right to begin with. Okay, thank you so much, Allegra. I just love having you with us. And I know our writers are going to take a lot from this. And everyone, good luck getting to you your writing to desk today. You thank you all. Do you thank really you. understand how you sift for a love in the sand? Like a leaf inside the wind. And you go where it tells you to go. But you never wonder why there isn't nothing here at all.